Okay, are you guys at Matthew 15? The title of the sermon today is Love, Honor, Respect. And it's, uh, as you might imagine, uh, about moms. Now, uh, of course, Nathan and uh, Oscar shared about recently becoming fathers. Also this last week, uh, Uche and Trina had their baby. Uh, so just in, uh, whatever, maybe ten days here, we've had three different babies. Uh, and uh, that is fantastic. We are obeying the scriptures. We are multiplying. So that, that's wonderful. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. One of the most... Intense stories about a mom in all the Bible. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out. So this woman is yelling at Jesus. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. So she is coming after Jesus and she is shouting at him. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So this apparently has not gone on for just one yell. I mean, this is going on, and she is continuing to shout at Jesus. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now you want to talk about one intense woman. She is going after Jesus. Jesus, help me. My daughter needs help. She's dying. He's not paying attention. He says, basically, I understand your problem, but my immediate job is on taking care of what needs to be taken care of. And she won't give up. She keeps going after it like a mom will do. There is nothing more intense than dealing with a mom. I I can assure you, uh, being in a position where I do that from time to time, there's no creature on earth that can be any more intense than a mom, particularly when they're trying to take care of their child. And this woman won't give up, she won't give up, she won't give up, and finally Jesus realizes that she really believes, even though she's a heathen, she's a Canaanite woman, She believes. She has faith. He compliments her on her faith. And he says, you know, I I, I haven't seen any faith like this lately. This is incredible. And the Bible simply says that her mother was healed from that time. Love, honor, and respect. What does your mother deserve today from you? Love, honor, and respect. I wrote down a number of different things here about moms and what they do for us. You think about this. They love us unconditionally. There's never been an ugly baby to a mom. Now, for the rest of us, we look at that baby and we say, Whoa, that's a, that's a baby right there. Uh, you, know, you, you say, 
you know, hopefully they'll grow through it, you know, uh, kind of a thing and, and, and come up. And that's true, because some of us, uh, you know, our baby pictures are not awesome. And, uh, and, and that's true of, of, uh, of Ben and Maria. You know, when Ben was born, he had an attitude. And he had an attitude for about the first two or three years of his life uh, that uh, we didn't know he had ear problems. We, we, once we figured that out, he was happy, but he had an earache all the time. And, and, so, and you can tell that. I mean, he was the picture they take, right, you know, uh, when the, the baby picture at the hospital. You look at that photo of Ben, and I mean, he's got an attitude. He did. And, and you look at the one with Maria, and it, she is just bashed up. From delivery, and she sort of, she sort of looks like, man, you know, this has been a rough day uh, for her, and uh, it certainly can be. But moms love their children unconditionally. Uh, it isn't long before, uh, you know, you have uh, the uh, the basic uh, sanitary issues related to being a mom, and uh, you know, dads aren't really good at explosive diapers. <laughs> But moms, hey, they love you unconditionally. Moms love unconditionally all the way through life. They, 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 they may not approve of how a teenage child is living their life and choices that they're making, but they still love them. They love unconditionally. They serve. Moms serve unbelievable to their children. They serve their children. They worry about their children constantly. They teach their children. At least they try. They spoil their children. They're nicer to their children, oftentimes, than their children deserve. They spoil them. A woman said to my mother one time, said, will you spoil your children? And she said, no, that's just love. Because that's just the way moms feel about it. When they're being really nice to their kids, probably too nice to their kids, spoiling them. They're just doing it because they love them. They drive their children. They drive them crazy sometimes. And they drive them everywhere. School, soccer, shopping. Drive, drive, drive. They lead their children. They forgive their children. Children do things, you know, children sin against their parents. They sin against their mother. Their mother does all this stuff for them, and the kids are ungrateful. And the mothers forgive them. They're patient with children. Here's something that a mom does. is mom shares in the child's defeats and victories. It's almost as if they're going through it together. And I remember back uh, in uh, the times when I was at home... Uh, competing athletically. Uh, you know, when I lost a match, it was almost like my mother lost it. You know? But when I won, it was the same kind of thing. You know, that's what mothers do. They share in the defeats and they share in the victories. They feed us, they clean up after us. And you know what? You can just go on and on with the list of what mothers do uh, for their children. I want us to look at two different aspects of things here uh, from the Bible, from the New Testament, and uh, some Old Testament scriptures as well, about mothers in our life. And you'll see what I'm going on that. First point is going to be your mother who is your mother. Okay? Point number two is going to be your mother who isn't your mother. 
and how we should deal with them. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, verse 12. Now, I, I trust that we today have uh, made plans to call our mother, visit our mother, send flowers to our mother. It's interesting this morning, Ben calls me and, uh, and said, uh, Dad, uh, uh, can, can you go and get some flowers from Mom today? <laughs> And uh, I said, well, you know, I think probably she'd appreciate just a phone call just as much. And he said, well, that's what I thought. But Bailey, who is his wife, says, I need to get flowers for my mom. And I can't do it today, so can you do it for me? And I told Chris that story. And she said, no, I, I think I'd like a call, but I'd like flowers, too. So, <laughs> amen. So, you know, sometimes uh, you think you get it all figured out, and then you find out that you don't. But uh, talk about the mother who is your mother. This is from the, uh, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is the first of the Ten Commandments that has a promise connected to it. Honor your father and mother, and your life is going to be blessed because of it. Now, if you look over to Ephesians chapter 6, this is Paul writing on that concept. And uh, he makes comment about it as well. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2. He's talking about the different roles in the home, uh, the Christian home. And uh, beginning in verse uh, 1, let's just pick it up there. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may, may live uh, long life on the earth. Honor and obey is what Paul says here. Children, obey your parents. And then he goes on and he quotes a passage from, the, from Exodus that we read earlier about honoring uh, your, your mother. Now look over to Romans chapter 13. I want us to notice something here about this idea of honor that, uh, that the Bible teaches about. Romans chapter 13. You guys there? This idea about honoring. In, in verse 1 of, of Romans 13... He starts off, and he's not really talking necessarily about what you should do with your mom. He's talking about this honoring authority. And he says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been, have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and so that those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So he's talking about here honoring the authority, meaning the governing authorities around. Now skip on down to verse 6. See, he, well, we're going to skip part of what he says there, and he, and he says this. This is why you uh, pay taxes. Of course, we live in California, uh, and uh, they just figured out, uh, what was it, uh, the other day, that we are $13 billion, uh, uh, the, the, the budget, that we're in debt. So I'm thinking that taxes are going up. Okay, that's not a political statement. I'm not on either side of that argument. I'm just saying that's probably going to happen. But he does say here, the whole context is, this is why you, 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 uh, you respect and you honor those uh, and you obey those who are in authority. He says, this is why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. Everyone, including your mom. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, here's the thing that I'm, that I'm going at here. The Bible commands you to honor, to respect, to obey 
You're a mother. And I know what some of you are thinking. Now, wait a minute. You don't know my mother. Your mother who is your mother is your mother. And the scriptures are extremely clear. You have a responsibility to honor her and to respect her. For some of us, that means the first thing on your list is to forgive your mother. See, for some of us, the block is, is we say, well, yeah, I know what the scriptures say, but my mother did this, my mother did that, my mother abandoned me, my mother didn't treat me right. And we can go through the list and we remember and we know the specifics. We can fill in the blank. What did your mother do to you that was wrong? You can, you, you can lay it out. You remember what she said. You remember what she did. You remember how she acted. The scriptures do not say, honor your mother if she was a good mother. The scriptures do not say, honor your mother if you approve of the way that she treated you. The concept here is that you honor your mother because she is, a, she is in a position of authority in your life. She is your mother. Most of us, our mothers were good to us. Most of us, our mothers, uh, there's not really much to forgive, truthfully. Our mothers were good people. In some cases, that's a big problem. You need to appreciate your mother. The older you grow, oftentimes more you understand what your parents did for you and you appreciate them more. Because you realize that you have children now in your life and, and you, you, you think back and you, you project backwards and your appreciation uh, for them should grow. I look back at what my parents did for me, what my mother uh, did for me, and honestly, it's, it's, it's a little bit stunning. You know, a lot of times you guys that have heard me preach for many, many years, you say, uh, well, you have all these Fuquayisms. The truth is, some of those from, from my father, a good amount of them are from my mother. And the interesting thing is, is that they were from her mother before her. My grandmother's maiden name was Steele. S-T-E-E-L-E. And she used to tell my mother, you need to toughen up. You're half steel. (laughs) Does that sound like something I might say? Probably a lot of the things that you say is what your mother said. Probably the way a number of you mothers cook is the way your mother cooked. And you don't have any idea why in particular you're doing it that way other than the fact that that's how your mother did it. And so you do it as well. You need to forgive. You need to appreciate. You need to emphasize the positive. I would certainly hope that my children emphasize the positive when they think about me as their father. Because there's never been a mother or father that it's all positive. Anyone who is a parent knows that sometimes parenting, you go to bed at the end of some days and you look at how you did as a parent and, and you know, if you were grading yourself out on parenting that day, you probably got a D. 
Maybe an F. Perhaps a C. Now, other days you go to bed and you say, hey, hmm, that's a pretty good day. Amen. But you know what? Ain't nobody, nobody's a parent that gets A's every day of being a parent. There's not a mom alive. I don't care how good a mom she is or you are. There's never been a mom that's always on top of the game. Moms get frustrated with their kids. They get annoyed with their kids. Kids are annoying sometimes. That's why mom gets annoyed with them. But see, your mother, I'm saying your mother who is your mother, you need to respect, you need to love, you need to honor that woman that God put in your life. She's at least half of, the, of, of your genetic code. As much as you may look at your mother and be perturbed at her from time to time, you are at least 50% her. And in some cases, you look in the mirror and it's pretty easy to tell. As much as I respect my father, I look like my mother. And for many of us, we know those things are true in our life. You say, well, I, you know, my mother fell short. Hey, you know what? Be careful. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you're gracious to your mother, likely your children will be gracious to you. And we all need that. Your mother who is your mother. Point number two. Your mother who isn't your mother. Look over to Romans chapter 16. You should be in Romans anyway. Just a couple pages over. Romans 16. The Apostle Paul here at the end of the book of Romans is actually uh, commenting at, uh, on, on a personal level about a number of different people. And he goes on down through. And he's going and he's saying, this guy did great, this woman did great, and, and helped me in this way and that way, and all these things. And then I come up to verse 13. Of all the different things in Romans uh, chapter 16, this is maybe the one that, that stands out in a really unique way, particularly for us today. Greet Rufus. you got to like that. A friend of mine, is, he named his dog Rufus. Uh, but but this, uh, this is actually not a dog. This is a guy. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother. Now look at this. Who has been a mother to me too. Here's a woman in the church that Paul is not related to. And he actually, as he goes on down through there, he actually makes comment about several people who are his relatives. Look over to verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives, who have been in prison with me. Look on down to verse 11. Greet Herodian, my relative. So he actually has relatives in in the church at Rome. He has some people there that are relatives of his. But he says, man, Rufus was a great guy. And you know what? And Rufus' mom. Because she was like a mom to me. Really interesting thought. Now look over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul here is talking about his relationship with the church of Thessalonica. And he makes an interesting observation about his relationship with them. And his involvement with them. Actually, beginning the uh, paragraph there of verse 6. You see where I'm at? 
You guys with me? Okay, here we go. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. He said, we had a relationship with you in our goings-on with you. We were like a mother to you. Now, in fairness, come on down to verse 10. He says, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you to His kingdom and His glory. And His dealings with them, and He's writing this letter to them after He had served and been among them in a physical sense, He said, we were like a mom as we dealt with you, and we were like a dad as we dealt with you. And he delineates a little bit of the two. When he's talking about the dad in his role in dealing with him as a dad, in verse 11, he says, you know that we dealt with you as a father deals with his own children. So he indicates that there's probably a difference in the way the dad will interact with the child, and perhaps how the mom will interact with the child. And he says about the dad, he says, how the dad deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you. So you get this idea that the dad role, and it's not Father's Day, so we're not going to focus on that, but he's saying here that the dad role in the life of the child is probably a little different than the mom role. The dad role is, is encouraging, comforting, and Urging. I don't know how you read that, that word or understand that word urging. I get a little bit of an oomph from what he's saying there. That there's a little bit more of a strength of, you know, maybe a, a pat on the back or maybe a little lower and a little harder. <laughs> With dad. That's dad, right? Now let's go back up and see the mom one again. Verse 7. But we were gentle among you. Like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Once again, I don't know how you read that, but it seems to me that it's a little bit more tender. It's a little bit more, uh, perhaps, calm or ingratiating and close. And he says, we were like you. Now remember, this is a a church leader. This is an apostle. Uh, What we would understand is a leader in their life. And he says, as a leader among you, sometimes I was like a dad. Sometimes I was like a mom. Now you get Paul saying to the church in Rome, I've got this older woman, Rufus' mom. She was like a mom to me. But that's not his mom. He's not even related to Rufus' mother. And then, as he talks to the church here about being a leader in their life, he says, sometimes I'm like a mom, sometimes I'm like a dad. He actually was a single man. See, isn't it interesting? We have the mom who is your mom. We have the mother who is your mother. But the Bible also talks about the mother who's not your mother. Rufus' mother is not his mother. 
Paul is not their mother. But he talks about the, the, the mothering role in the relationships that we share with each other in the church. Now here's a question for you that you can only fill in in your own mind. Who is the Rufus's mother in your life? Apparently it's okay, even a good thing, to have other people in the church that are like a mother to you. Who's your Rufus's mom? Who's like a mother to you? Now, this is the mother who's not your mother. If she may be someone that's your age. You say, well, my mother is, you know, 20 years older than me. Amen. We have no idea how old Rufus's mom was. Rufus's mom was, was uh, you know, Rufus's mother. But it wasn't Paul's. How old she was in comparison to Paul, we don't know. But we know the role that apparently she sort of uh, uh, played in Paul's life. Is she was sort of like a mom to him. She sort of took care of him and, and, and looked out for him. And, you know, the things that a mom does for a son, apparently Rufus's mom did not only for Rufus, but also for Paul, who she wasn't related to. Who's Rufus's mom in your life? You say, well, do I need one? I don't know. <laughs> Bible doesn't say we have to have one. But isn't it curious, as Paul is singing out all his greetings and his appreciations for different people in the church in Rome there, that, that, he, that he mentions, all of a sudden he says, and Rufus said, oh yeah, Rufus's mom, she's awesome. She's been like a mom to me. I think the Bible doesn't command that we have a Rufus's mom. It doesn't even suggest, encourage us to have a Rufus's mom. But it certainly indicates that it's okay. You can have someone in your life that's like this person. That they're just like a mom in your life. They're just like someone that has a mothering type of looking out for you, a kind of role in your life. Who's your Rufus's mom? You say, well, I don't have one. Eh, you know, if you don't, then, you know, maybe you don't need one. But perhaps someday you'll have a Rufus's mom in your life spiritually that will be like your mom in your life. Secondly here, the leadership, membership relationship is an interesting relationship that Paul talks about in the context of parenting. He says, we worked among you like a parent. Sometimes we were more like, mom, loving you so much. That we were delighted to share with you not just the truth of the scriptures, not only the gospel of God, but also our lives as well. Then he goes down and says, sometimes we're like a dad. You know, we gave you a kick in the pants when you needed it too. To to get you moving along the way. Who in your life would be like your spiritual parents? Now sometimes we say, well, my spiritual parents are the people who led me to the Lord. I doubt that Paul converted every single one of the members of the church of Thessalonica. 
I think he probably converted some. He had that kind of a relationship with some of them that because he, he shares but we had shared the gospel with you. But I don't believe, and I think it probably would bear out just in common sense, some of these people became Christians not because of the direct influence of Paul, but because of the direct influence of some of the other Christians in the church of Thessalonica. In other words, let's say uh, I'm, I'm Paul here and, and, and I convert uh, Nam. And he's in the church at Thessalonica now. And I, I, I bring him to the Lord. I study the Bible with Nam. Okay? Yeah, okay. Then, then he can say, well, hey, well, Marty's sort of like my dad in the faith. He, he led me, uh, you know, to the Lord. But let's say uh, Nam then studied with Tony. Well, Tony may know me. I'm one of the leaders of the church, but I didn't necessarily have a lot of personal involvement with Tony. Nam really did that. You understand what I'm saying? But Paul here, he's talking to the whole church, which includes Nam and Tony. I don't think Paul converted every single member here. He's saying, I still was like a father. So the, the idea that just... You know, it's a broader context than just saying, well, the person who led me to the Lord is my mom in the faith, my dad in the faith. There are leaders in the church that have a parenting kind of role in your life. Who are are your spiritual parents then? Who are your spiritual mom or dad? Who do you look at as someone that you say, you know, hey, she is like a mom to me. She helps me to grow. She helps me to, to develop. I, I've become a better person. I've become a better uh, uh, wife. I've become a better uh, mother because of the influence that that woman has had in my life. Who is the guy? Who are some of your dads in the faith? Dads that are helping you to grow up spiritually. Dads that are helping you to become a better Christian, a better husband, a better father. This is a question for you to fill. You know, no one can fill this in but you. Because it's not someone that you're related to. You know, if you're related to someone, you're related to them and you can't get out of it. You are related to them. And I'll tell you this along that line, it is my experience that it isn't too far down anybody's family tree and you find some some apples that didn't develop well. You see what I'm saying? There are a few people from my family tree that are, you know, either presently or were in the Kentucky State Pen, if you understand what I'm talking about. Are we communicating? State pen, that didn't go over anybody's head. <laughs> Several of them didn't go to prison, but should have, you know. <laughs> they needed to. They needed help. Uh, and you understand what I'm saying? But, you know, your relatives are your relatives, and you've got to live with that. You just say, hey, that's my family. Good, better, or, or, or you know, indifferent, they're, they're my family. So what do you got? But your spiritual family can be very broad. You can have people that are your spiritual moms and dads that aren't from the same genetic uh, background as you. You can have spiritual moms and dads that aren't from the same uh, racial heritage as you. You know, you can be as white as white ever was. And you're talking about a black guy. Yes, my spiritual dad over there. You know that Asian woman over there? She, she's, my, she's a spiritual mom to me. Man, she takes care of me. She's like Rufus's mom. We have no idea what Rufus' racial heritage was. 
Who are these people in your life? You say, why do I have to have spiritual dads and moms? No, the Bible's not commanding that you have to have them. But it certainly indicates that Paul had that kind of relationship with them, and he's very proud of it. He's not trying to lowball this. He's saying, hey, I was like a mom, I was like a dad to you. Trying to help you grow spiritually in your life. See, point number one is the mother who is your mother. The mother who is your mother, you are to love and respect and honor her. And not just on Mother's Day, but certainly on Mother's Day. Right? But what about the mother who isn't your mother? Maybe, maybe we need to love and honor and respect some of them today in the fellowship too. Maybe it would be appropriate today to go up to whoever is your spiritual mom or dad that you look at in that role in your life and say, Hey, I just want to tell you, I, I appreciate what you've done for me. You've helped me. And, and, and I'm, I'm a better person. I'm a better woman. I'm a better man because of that. It's good for us to do that. It's proper for us to do that. That's why the Bible commands that we are to respect those who are in positions of authority. In our life. Today's lesson is simply love, honor, and respect. The mother who is your mother, and the mother who isn't your mother. God bless, and I, my lovely bride is coming up here. I'm assuming that she has an announcement, or I'm in trouble for something. Amen. <laughs> A couple of announcements uh, that I wanted to make. Um, First of all, uh, we want to make sure we're praying for Lorene, whose dad passed away this past week, and uh, the funeral was on Saturday. So please keep our sister in your prayers. Uh, she was her dad's primary caregiver for the last uh, year or so, and uh, it's going to be especially hard for her. So let's, let's really build her up and encourage her. Uh, also, please pray for Karina Hall's brother, um, who is in the hospital. Um, she texted me and said that they're going to be meeting with the doctors to see if they're going to take him off of life support. So it's very grave um, and uh, we're really sad for them. It's a sad time that they're going through. So let's make sure we keep them in, in uh, our prayers. Also, uh, Molly Sakahara sent out um, a Facebook message that we're having our first Feed the Homeless event on May 26th. And um, you want to just give the brief? Um, May 26th at 1 o'clock is going to be um, at a mission in downtown on Skidmore. Okay. Um, so it's going to be a buffet lunch is my understanding, and we can sign up to bring dishes and serve. And it's kid-friendly. Correct. So um, Molly's email is msakahara, M as in Molly, S-A-K-A-H-A-R-A, at yahoo.com. And she can send you a link to join the meetup, uh, which is the group that, that you know she's formed for us, uh, so that you can get all the future emails and information. If you haven't signed up for that yet. How many of you guys are interested in coming to serve on the 26th? Just raise your hand so we can kind of get an idea. That's great. And please make sure you make contact with her so that we can, you know, kind of get things together and, and make our plans. Um, 
anyway, other than that, I think that's it. I have May calendars. Um, we're excited to have the Reynas here with us. Stand up, you guys. Danny. Danny and Veronica are going to be transitioning into the campus uh, with uh, the halls. Uh, if you didn't hear the announcement last week, Marcel and Karina are going to be taking over the campus ministry, and um, Alex and Amelia are going to be uh, working full-time in the teen ministry. So we're really excited for them, um, and we're really happy to have you guys here today. So welcome welcome to the San Gabriel campus family. We're happy to have you. Maybe yeah. Maria yeah. Lee's going to Let's have a quick prayer. Father in heaven, uh, we do pray, uh, thanks for our life, thanks for opportunity today to honor and respect and love our moms, and we pray that we'll uh, do that, work in all of our lives to say the right things and be uh, the right way around our moms to make it a special day uh, for them. Uh, we do pray uh, for Karina's brother and the family there, uh, it sounds like uh, his life is uh, maybe nearly over and uh, you'll be with them to comfort them in this time of loss, and uh, be with all of us uh, to realize the brevity of life, that uh, our life is uh, ebbing away as well, and to uh, give us the uh, will and energy uh, to live each day uh, for you. Thank you for all the ways you bless us. In Christ we pray. Amen.